This is episode 26 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I have Scott Zanbergen on the show and Scott is a very aggressive investor with a portfolio of 15 units at the moment. He's gotten himself into a, quite a few different things including rent to own and more recently he's uh, he's focused his energy on duplex conversions. So Scott came on the show, we had a fantastic discussion which you're uh, you're about to hear. And he really dug into the meat and potatoes of how he got started, the types of cash flows that he's getting on his properties, why he started in rent to own and made his way over to duplex conversions, what types of properties are making him more money than others. And he gave us an example of the uh, the type of cash flow that he's making. Scott's a great guy. I've had the uh, pleasure of getting to know him at the real estate meetup that Travis and I started. And this is just a testament to why it's important to get out there and network with other investors because now I get to learn from him. Hopefully he learned a couple of things from me. We were sharing quite a few different gold nuggets as we went through. It was fun. It's going to be a great episode and you're really going to enjoy it. A couple of things just because it's been a while since I did an episode. So for those of you who weren't aware, I did just get married recently and I did the honeymoon and I have been doing so much business wise that it kind of caused me to not release an episode in the last little while. So I'm looking to, to turn that around now. Uh, if you do have suggestions for me as to people who you'd like to see on this podcast or you'd like to hear on this podcast, please reach out to me at the Andrew Hines, either on Instagram or Facebook. Shoot me a message and just let me know who you think uh, would be a good fit and why. Uh, and I'd love to I'd love to get a few more guests on here, a more diverse you know range of guests Hopefully there are people who can travel to Burlington to be a part of this new studio. If you're on YouTube, you can see it. I'm constantly improving the studio to, you know, do better video, do better audio and, you know, just keep growing this in, in every possible way. So I really do appreciate you, you listening and watching. And I'd just like to ask you another small favor. Please take a moment to review this. If you're on uh, iTunes or, or listening to Apple podcasts, uh, take a moment to review it, rate it. And uh, if you're on YouTube or what have you, please, you know, hit the like button and uh, let's just help this grow so it can help more investors and hopefully continue to build the community around this podcast. So without further ado, here is the episode, episode number 26 with Scott Zanbergen. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Scott Zanbergen on the show. And uh, I saw him cringe as I previously pronounced that. So uh, <laughs> anyway, Scott, how you doing? It's great to have you on the show. I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me. Well, we met at the meetup, the local meetup here. I think uh, I think it was the first uh, Greater Hamilton. It uh, was your area, first one. I feel like that was three months ago or so now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just proving that it works. <laughs> it does work. It does work. And I did hear about it on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. So you found the podcast somewhere I along did. the way. I and did, yeah. uh, I love that. You know, people who hear the podcast coming on the podcast mm -hmm. and kind of building the network. And mm -hmm. I learned so much from all the different people. So yeah. why don't we just start with a little bit about you and sure. your current career trajectory and then also um, what you're doing as far as real estate goes. I'm in the GTA. So I, the greater Toronto area, I live in Georgetown. Um, I have been working in the tech field for about 22, 23 years now. So yeah. software guy, uh, not, a, not a programmer, not an engineer. I'm more on the marketing um, business development side. So I've been doing that for a long, long time. 
And, um, you know, I think like a lot of people um, in stories that I've heard from other investors, I've had, a, I've had a similar path in terms of, you know, the nine to five corporate grind, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing that, uh, following that path. And then, uh, you know, doing the thing like contributing to my RSPs through, through my work plan, mm-hmm. because the employers often will match what you put in. And my current employer actually does 1.25 uh, for every dollar I put in. So you're crazy not to put money into these plans. And so what was happening over this course of time is I was building up, you know, a nice nest egg of RSP mm-hmm. dollars. And um, when I was younger, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to that. And as I kind of, you know, the the the, the pot began to grow, then I became a little more interested in, um, you know, why isn't that growing beyond what I'm putting into mm. that? Like all the growth was my own contributions. Right. Right. So that's kind of where I think I had my light bulb moment of, you know, there's, I got to be able to do something a little more effective with, uh, with growing my, my investments. Okay. So that, that's where it started. And uh, just for our American friends, uh, RSPs are like your 401k, 401k, uh, basically. So it's tax shielded, uh, except for when you take the money out. Exactly. Um, okay. So, so you were contributing to that. And I think this is a very interesting topic and I'm not sure how much I've dug into this on this show is the fact that when you're into those different types of funds, you're paying somebody to manage your fund. Like if you're into a mutual fund, you're paying management fees and whether or not your fund makes money, that's right. These are people that are buying and selling your 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 shares in in this fund, assuming that they can predict the market, right? That they can beat it. They're smarter than Warren Buffett and Ray Dalio, uh, and then they're charging you three percent for it. That's right. Whether you make money or not. That's right. So, so in a, in a year when you are celebrating doing five percent growth, you're forgetting the fact that three percent went into fees. Yes, yeah, right? so they celebrate their growth. They yeah. say, "Yeah, we made money this year. We made five percent." But no, you really only made two, That's which right. doesn't even beat inflation. That's right. Yeah, where in you're not borrow, you can't borrow against your mutual fund. You, That's right. You can borrow against certain stocks in certain ways, but yeah. I'm not going to get into that. Um, the other, the other thing, factor that always kind of bugged me too was in the in the years where the market took a bit of a downturn mm-hmm. and uh, and the portfolio would shrink a little bit. Um, I'm still paying fees, right? To yeah, to the, the management fee is still there. So that's anyways. It, I I think. Um, I, I wish I would have been, you know, awakened to that much, much earlier. Uh, yeah. But I, I feel like I, I, uh, I'm a bit of a, bl- a late bloomer, maybe, right? And so I, I finally kind of tuned into what was going on there, and light bulb went off, and I was like, yeah. this is, this is ridiculous. How long have you been investing in real estate? So since about 2013. 2013 uh, is when okay. I began really getting myself kind of uh, educated and. Um, it, it that's kind of that same time frame, right? So it, it's it all started with me kind of getting frustrated and then getting on Google and spending hours and hours into the night trying to look for better ways to get um, uh, growth out of my money. And, and uh, you know, it, it just, everything I kept reading mm-hmm. kept transitioning me back into real estate investment opportunities yeah. and discovered some local groups around the greater Toronto area, went to a couple of meetups and took a couple of seminars. Yeah. And then it just kind of, oh, oh, wow, there's a whole other world out there, right? Yeah. So that was late 2013. And I believe it was uh, 2014 when I bought my first. So 2014, yeah. you bought yeah. your first. Uh, and then so what was your strategy? What type of property? What were you trying to do? So I in 2014, I was all about rent to own. Actually, rent on. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so I I purchased three single family homes, all rent to own, in the span of three months, and 
and then uh, a fourth one maybe nine months after that. So I went kind okay. of pretty fast. The first three were all rent to owns. The fourth mm-hmm. was just a straight uh, buy and hold. And what the I think I I I, I took some educational content around rent to own and why it's a great strategy when you're first starting, right? Because yeah. You don't. Uh, you tend to bring in tenants that treat the, the house like it's their own, and yeah. should be less maintenance in theory and all that kind of stuff. So that's what attracted me to it. Are you still into it? I am not. You're not interested. <laughs> um, not right now. No, no, no. So I will tell you of the three renta owns that um, we started with in 2014, not one of them um, went to term. Not one of them ended up buying. Correct. That's what okay. I, yeah. Okay. So for those who aren't familiar with Rent-to-Own, I think that's an important yeah. uh, concept that we, we explain here. So Rent-to-Own is when you buy a property for a specific tenant that has some credit problems that can be fixed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so usually they'll have good income. You know, it's maybe they had a divorce that went bad and caused credit problems or there was a reason they should be able to repair their credit. Uh, you put them in, you know, a three-year term. Mm-hmm. And if they were being responsible, they could get ready. They could get back on track. The problem is misreading tenants and and, and not realizing that they have a, what you would sort of deem a chronic problem financially. They, they have exactly. chronic problems, meaning that they're just ongoing. It's a behavioral thing. They're not going to fix it. Mm-hmm. Whereas some people, when it was actually, you know, somebody got sick mm-hmm. and everything went to heck, mm-hmm. you can fix that if, if you have your health, right? So. That's right. This is why rent to own. I I initially liked the concept and and backed away from it for yeah. similar reasons. Yeah, I think it still makes sense for the right mm-hmm. uh, tenant buyer profile. Yes, and obviously there are organizations or companies around here that do a phenomenal yeah. job of just building their strategy around rent to owns. Yes, um, and uh, so I I was certainly bought into that concept when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the one flaw that I made um, and kind of learned it in later years was that there's two ways you can do rent to own. You can do house first or you can do tenant first, right? Yeah. I did house first. Tenant first is the way to go. Tenant first is <laughs> yeah. the way to go. Yeah. 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 So we bought the property and, you know, then we uh, began looking for the ideal tenant buyer yeah. profile and you have to be a little bit patient. They told us, you know, it might take you eight weeks to mm-hmm. find that person. We found somebody that seemed to check the boxes and then... You know, think time goes on and and then red flags start to surface. That's another good point, though, about this rent to own discussion is, is that you do want to look for your tenant first because not just because then you get the best person, right? Because that person might say, well, I don't like that house, right? Mm-hmm. You know, great tenant, but they don't like the house that you have to offer. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden you have a great tenant and you say, hey, now you go with this realtor. And go find the house you like. Yeah. And I'll buy it. That's right. And then uh, and there's an emotional connection to the property at that point. Yes. Then yeah. they feel like we picked it. Exactly. We picked it. Yeah. You know, this is our house. Yeah. Yeah. So my learning there for sure was mm-hmm. if I were to ever do rent to own again, and I'm not saying I won't, because mm-hmm. I think it still has a place, I would absolutely do it that yeah. way. I'll find the person that meets the yeah. criteria. They get, they've got the bad credit, but they've got the income. Um, and then go find a property together. I've looked at a lot of people in distress situations having come from the mortgage brokers uh, side of things, people who were getting denied by the banks and, you know, I was trying to help them. Um, what I'll say is that you start to get a really good feel for people who have those chronic mm-hmm. problems, like mm-hmm. people who have every single credit card has got, you know, R2, R3, R9, that those are diff- different levels of delinquency. Right. Um, and it's happened over years and years and years 
those people aren't going to change anything. You're, you're expecting yeah. somebody to change. Yeah. But whereas somebody who had everything was going great for, for five years and then all of a sudden there's this catastrophe on their credit That's bureau. Right. Yeah. Um, those are the ones where they, they tend to be a good pick. And, uh, I would just say absolutely. If you're, you know, if you're interested in doing the rent to own side of things, yeah. find somebody who specializes in sourcing tenants and, and screening them. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then it also would be a great idea to have them mm -hmm. have somebody who also offers rehab to that tenant like credit rehab uh, and, and make it a part of the deal. Like if you're going to do it, the tenant has to, uh, they have to participate in this program. It might cost them a hundred bucks a month exactly. yeah. for monthly reviews of how you're doing, where you are, where you're at. Otherwise they won't, re they yeah. won't recover their credit. They won't be able to buy. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. flip side of that, it, it kind of makes you look like a greedy investor when you get to keep the property. Mm -hmm. That's usually not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> so. And that's exactly the way I was thinking of it. Right. So, in in all three of those cases of those rent to owns, we we did keep the property. Mm -hmm. um, two of them I still own today, and uh, the 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 third one was the was the one that went the longest to yeah. term, where the the tenant uh, expressed interest in purchasing the property. So we came right to the end of the three years, and then he just couldn't pull it together. Okay, right? couldn't couldn't get approved. There was a lot of situ a lot of issues that happened, and uh, in the end, he he had to leave. And uh, we had to like figure out some yeah. kind of a, of a compensation thing to to get rid of them and all of that, um, and uh, and then he left, and then we sold that property. So, what uh, what are your thoughts? Um, well, why don't you just break it down for those who are completely new to rent to own? Why would somebody choose that strategy? I think it's um, well, to what I said before. There's uh, the, there's the element of when you're brand new to real estate investing. There's the, people have a lot of fear around. The, what what's a tenant going to be like managing them? Are they going to mm -hmm. damage my property? Um, you know what what's what's the what's the tenant profile? And the with rent to own, you tend to focus on the strategy of buying nice houses that you know on a nice family street, and mm -hmm. you know may, maybe it's a street where it is the only rental property on that whole street. And mm -hmm. so as a result, you the the amount of handholding, the amount of management that you have to provide day to day with that tenant should in theory be less, right? Mm -hmm. This is the way it was kind of sold to me. Yeah. And and I think that is true. And and uh, the the initial tenants that we had in that were under a rent to own contract, you know, were excited about that. They were excited about getting into home ownership after there was a three year term. And as a result, did some things to fix up the houses a little bit. One mm -hmm. cleaned up the, you know, fixed up a deck, one fixed up a bathroom. Um, and so these are all up on their own nickel, right? So yes. that's pretty cool. And when you're a brand new investor and that, that all those unknowns about how do I deal with a tenant? What if they do break stuff? That's scary stuff. Um, that kind of gave me a little bit of comfort, I think. Right. And so that's mm -hmm. why I, I, I yeah. believed in it. And I guess the other big thing is there is what's called the option payment. And that is mm -hmm. where the option to buy, there's usually a down payment that the tenant tenant buyer, as we would call them, would give to you. And it could be $10,000, right? It could be yeah. $15,000. And that's just money that you can kind of bring into your investing business and recycle it into another property, yes. right? That was the part I wanted to hit on is there's, there's some severe cash flow benefits. Absolutely. So you're, yeah. you're going to get a tenant typically paying far more than market rent. That's right. Is you set the rent uh, higher, because it's going to include a certain percentage that if they buy will go towards their down payment. Exactly. And um, so that allows you to get higher payments. Plus, you're going to do a deposit. So they do a rent to own deposit. And it's just a, a deposit on their option to purchase. That's so right. 
this is so critical. You work with a good lawyer or somebody who specializes in this and has good contracts. Yeah. Because you set it up this way that it benefits you. Of course, it's fair to the uh, the tenant, but you need to make sure that you profit. Yep. Um, the one thing that I would say that I don't love about the, the model, I mean, I love the cash flow. Um, I don't love selling the property. You know, I I, I, I like hold it. Yeah. I like keeping properties because I know in the long run, as long as you have a cash flowing property, mm-hmm. you're gonna win over time. Yeah, uh, you know the the rent to owns that people I know who have sold them, you know they're gonna look back and say, "Wow, yeah. I wish I had kept that property. Wish I could have kept that property." Yeah. So it's interesting to say that because uh, so those those first three homes that we that we bought back in 2014 were all single family homes, mm-hmm. and right now, so we sold one of them recently. Mm-hmm. And my plan is to sell the remaining two by the end of this year. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm like you in that I I don't want to part with the assets because mm-hmm. you know it's it's going to go up in value. On the other hand, I've also learned now that single family homes are not great for cash flow. Um, in fact, all the the last two that I have in my portfolio are barely breaking even, right? Mm-hmm. And so I but but they've benefited greatly from really nice appreciation over the last five years. And so they're all coming up for mortgage renewal. And yeah. so this is the time that we are going to uh, liquidate those assets and then mm-hmm. redeploy into the strategy that I'm on to now, which is more on duplexing. Before we get into that, yeah. were, were the properties you're referencing, were they cash flow like break even or cash flow negative when you bought them? No, they were positive when I bought them because uh, in 2014, the interest rates were a little better. Okay. And um, so we, I think we had 2.7% or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we were on variable. And... And so what happened is over time they it, it crept up a little bit every time the the uh, the, the the prime went up and yeah. we got a little bit of a hit and so the cash flow suffered a little bit. We did do uh, some rent increases along the way. Property taxes went up a little bit, and so we just got I'd say squeezed and squeezed and squeezed to the point that today they are like maybe plus five to fifty dollars each cash flow. So very very minor, and so that's not factoring in anything like contingency, vacancy, maintenance, nothing like that at all. So in yeah. reality, they're they're cash negative. Exactly. When when, yes. when those uh, surprise bills, like I can speak to like what's happened with my rental properties. Like we have a leak. Send yeah. a guy back five times to find the leak. Yeah, yeah. There's a few uh, hundred bucks, right? So, yeah, it yeah. just it just keeps adding up. As, you know, and then you realize, oh well, I got to rip all the tile out and you know yeah. do this. So um, that's this is an important point which we're gonna we're gonna have to dive into. Is is you gotta have that buffer. You gotta have that cash flow. That conservative. Hey, I'm gonna figure five percent maintenance because if you're not budgeting five percent maintenance, uh, you're kidding yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's gonna happen. So you might as well just build it into your numbers, and then you know the cash flow number you come up with at the end is actually real. That's right. Yeah. That's a, a more a more ac- accurate uh, yeah. representation. Scott, why don't you tell me before we jump into the duplexing, mm-hmm. which uh, is obviously an interesting conversation. And uh, I've seen some of your stuff on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You've posted some of these uh, really nice electrical panel with some really nice mm, wiring. I, yeah. I like that. I think my my electrician yeah. cried a little bit when he saw that. Yeah. It was so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I love seeing that too. I, I nerd out over organization. So well, if you look back, what was it that you attribute to yourself getting started? Like what was it that took you from the research and due diligence in 2013 to, okay, I'm ready to pull the trigger and do something. And you did your first deal. So I, I definitely am, uh, was guilty of sitting on the sidelines for too long. Mm-hmm. And I was acutely aware of the fact that I was doing that. Right. And, and I was starting to, I was starting to kick myself. Like I gotta, I gotta take action here. Um, like get my head out of the spreadsheet and, and mm-hmm. go buy something. And so it was just, it was just that awareness. I think I, you know, I'm, I wasn't getting any younger. Um, I've, I've already got a family at this point. My kids are 
I don't know what age would they've been back then, like 13 and 11, something like that. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to remember exactly, but in that range. And I thought, you know, I, I need to, I need to kind of get things kicked off and go. And I, I have a personality trait when I do kind of latch onto something, I'm a little bit obsessive with it and okay. I, and I didn't let it go. So then I went all in, right? So I went to, um, several different, uh, seminars. I went to, uh, I took lots of webinars. I was reading blogs. I started listening to podcasts, read mm-hmm. the books and, and then I think then I was just hooked. Right. And then, it was, okay. and then I, I thought, okay, I, I could do this all day long. Yeah. But now it's time to actually take action, right? And so that's okay. when that's when we kind of jumped in about those three right away. Okay, so you jumped in head first. Uh, what would you say is one thing you were, you know, surprised and happy about, and then something you were surprised and not happy about when you kind of dove in? I mean, it, I guess what I was happy about was um, it was not nearly as scary as I thought it would be, mm-hmm. right? So, like buying that first. Here's here's a funny thing. So the first three properties we bought, they were all sight unseen. So I put my faith in, like I I, I was working with an investment focused realtor, okay, um, and like a coach, and so he knew the market and um, also was the one that kind of brought me along on the rent to own journey, yeah. and and you know just kind of gave me a higher degree of confidence that you know hey I can do this. And yeah. so he, he would call me up because I'm working a full-time job. So he calls me up and says, I'm at a property. This is in Bowmanville, by the way, which is on the east side of Toronto. And uh, I, I got this property. I forget the price on it. It was like 305 or 309 or something mm-hmm. like that. It goes, it, it's a pretty good one. I think this would be a great rent to own. I think you'd be looking at somewhere around $1,800 a month in rent. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want it? He goes, yeah. and if you don't take it, I'm sh- somebody else will kind of thing, or, or maybe I will like the agent because he's also an investor and a lot of agents do that. Yeah. And uh, I said like, okay, let's do it. And he said, don't worry, we'll put an inspection clause in there, right? So that you can come see it. And, okay, and okay. at the inspection, yeah. then if you absolutely change your mind, you can get out. And so that's what I did. And I did that three times in a row. You got out three times or, or went, no, you bought them. We bought them bought three them. times. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Rarely have I ever pulled out after seeing the inspection. It's happened yeah. a couple of times, but um but this was uh, I just I went in. I mean, these were these were nice, like simple mm-hmm. cookie cutter houses. There was nothing too scary about them. They were built in the like mid nineties, late nineties, something like that. So um, nothing too unexpected. And so that's I think what's the the aha for me there was that it's not that difficult, right? You just gotta mm-hmm. you just gotta jump in and figure things out a little bit, right? Yeah, with a uh, ready fire aim. <laughs> yeah, ready fire aim, and that, that's a good yeah. principle in some cases. And, and I think um, what I what I would do differently, though, just on the um, other part of the question, is I I think, and maybe this is a classic mistake too, with your, when you first start, is you're too quick to put a tenant in the in the property, right? Yeah. So you buy it, and you're very aware that okay, on May second, I take a, I take possession of this thing. Yeah. And I'm panicking. I want, I need a tenant in there on May 3rd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, just because I don't know why, because I was worried that I'm going to have to start making mortgage payments out of my own pocket. Right. right. Which you do. Um, and so what I did is I put my ads out. I used Kijiji and started, I did a couple of showings like right away and nothing materialized. And then, and then panic sets in. Right. And you know, these are, yeah. this is like an hour drive for me to get to this property at this time. This is my very first one. And I have, you know, 10 people say they're super interested. They want to come see this house. And I confirm with them and I get there and then two of them show up kind of thing. Is right? that is that a normal thing? Like, I, I feel like 
that just happened to me on a property. I had happens like to me 30 frequently. people say they want to see it and then like three show up. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have some things I've learned in that area. Yeah. I've gotten a lot better. But um, yeah, that this would happen consistently. Like lots of interest. You're following up with them. I mean, I'm, I've been in sales and marketing my whole life. Yeah. I, I know how to follow up with people. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching out. I'll see you here. I see you at that time. This is my phone number. Text me if you're late. All that stuff. Yeah. And uh, and then you get there, and it's like, what what happened? And then you're calling them, and then there's no answer, right? So that and yeah. then and then you start getting a little panicky because yeah. you're like, oh my god, now it's I I don't have this place rented, and the yeah. mortgage is going to come out in a couple weeks. So then I I guess the learning for me was I just needed to just settle down a little bit and be patient because yeah. they eventually that they came, and and what happened was in in those first three houses that we made the same mistake each time, which was we we settled too quick. Right for uh, for a tenant, we picked too quickly. We did mm-hmm. not vet them enough, and we put them in the house, and then you know things go sideways. Whatever they weren't the right fit. Yeah. So I feel like that might just be a learning thing. I, I know so many people say like learn from my mistakes. You know, don't make them yourself. Uh, in which I'm not saying that that's not a thing you should do because you definitely should. Um, but to a certain degree, if those little burns, those mm-hmm. little, hey, like that tenant wasn't great. And then you you see it, you feel how how brutal that can be dealing with a tenant that's just a pain in the mm-hmm. butt. Mm-hmm. Makes you forever careful for the rest of your life mm-hmm. in a way that's just going to make your life so much better down the road. Yeah. So if you're going to, you know, maybe take a risk, take a very mitigated one where if, if you did get uh, maybe not a perfect tenant, yeah. uh, that the problems can be can be uh, handled reasonably exactly but yeah. i actually kind of am grateful for the people who just don't show up and don't say anything because um they're clearly identifying themselves as people who don't have respect for others and therefore i don't want them as a tenant they're weeding so themselves out. they weed yeah. themselves out really yeah. well okay hey, thanks yeah. you did the work for me <laughs> and it, it starts even before that right so yeah. the people that respond to your ad and you say yeah. yes it's available are you interested and then they don't respond to that i mean <laughs> that's sign number one <laughs> yeah, I've I've been using uh, Facebook uh, Marketplace. Marketplace. Yeah, same now. I yeah. used to use Kijiji, which for our American friends is is basically Canadian Craigslist. We have Craigslist yeah. too, but for yeah. some reason around here, everyone uses Kijiji. But that's dying because Kijiji is they want me to pay two hundred to three hundred dollars a week for all the the highlight and promotion and stuff, and, and I get a fraction of the response that a completely free ad on Facebook Marketplace. It's funny gets. you say that. So I yeah. just just like in the last three weeks went through the same experience because I'm renting yeah. a new place, uh, main floor of a house, and um, I posted an ad on Kijiji and I posted an ad on Facebook Marketplace. Mm-hmm. Night and day difference. And this was the first time where I even tried Facebook. Compared, I yeah. was, it was always a hundred percent Kijiji, and. It, it blew my mind, actually, how how many more leads I was getting from uh, from Facebook. Yeah. yeah. The, the one thing kind of irked me at first is like the responses coming back are like, is this available? Yeah. That's it. I mean, like, well, for one, why would the ad be up <laughs> if it wasn't available? Maybe we should just think about your question and actually ask what you meant. Yeah. Uh, but then I thought about it some more and I realized that Facebook actually has a button that just says, is this available? Exactly. So okay. I'm like, OK, I'll give them a pass on that one. But I just crafted a copy and paste response. Yes, it's available. And if you'd like to see it, this is my rental agent. Please contact her via either email or text or call. Here's her number and email. And I just have that copy and paste and then she'd get the calls. And um, my advice to her was book showings all lumped together because you just never know, right? Like these people could be good. They could not be, you know, because I've been stood up too. Yeah. I don't show my own properties right now just because they're in London and I'm in Burlington. It's an hour and a half. So it just... 
yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah so you know so what well. I, I'm a bit of a tangent but I'll, I'll just tell you what I've mm-hmm. what I've learned um, and I've, I've been trying different systems and different ways to kind of mm-hmm. follow up with people this this most recent one that I just rented I did it as a so Facebook marketplace mm-hmm. copy and paste response to everybody and my response is always the same if you're interested go to this URL so I created a, just a Google form the software guy <laughs> yeah the software guy so go to this Google form and then there I have my five or six screening questions so I'm, I want to get things like how many adults, how many kids, how many pets, mm-hmm. income, how's your credit? Like, just tell me what your credit is. I'm going to check it later anyways, but you, you you tell me how your credit is. And then I put another field, which is, is there anything else you'd like to tell me about yourself? And it's funny, the stuff that people will put in there because they'll they'll sell, the, they'll, they'll try to sell themselves. And to this you. is all before an application. Before an application. So I Before sp- a viewing. Before, before they Before anything. Because I want to decide yeah. who gets to view it based on that. Right? That's, that's gold. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah, so I so I've got uh, this 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 Google form, and that automatically populates the spreadsheet, Google Sheet, and and so then I'm kind of filtering through there, and I'm highlighting. Okay, this one looks interesting. This one mm. looks really good. This one, not so much, right? Um, yep. And then I reach out to them, and then I'll say, okay, I'm going to be at the house next Tuesday at 4 p.m. And uh, do you want to come see it? And so I, I pick who gets to come to the showing, right? And you give them a time. You don't give them options. You just give, give them yeah, a time. Because I am self-managing and showing mm-hmm. and I'm an hour, 15 minute drive yeah. to this property. So I have to be, you know, I'm trying to wor- work around yeah. my other schedule and all that. So it's often a weekend or like late afternoon on a weekday. And I'll just say, this is a time I'll be there for two hours. Can you make this work? Yeah. yeah. And they're, they're going to identify themselves too, right? How, how interested are they? Because yeah. the ones that aren't that interested be like, no, I can't. Can you accommodate me? Well, I guess you don't really want it that bad. So we'll save it for somebody yeah. who wants it more. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how like people get so worried about that. Oh, I'm missing leads. You know, I can't. I got to accommodate them. No, you, your head will pop off if you yeah. try and accommodate. Yeah. Absolutely. Everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've gone through that. So what I really started to just focus on and I haven't done everything you've done is just I don't even care if five groups of students for my student rentals show up at the same time. It, it would be a nightmare and, it, and I've dealt with it. Yeah. But I'd rather have that problem. Yeah. Then have uh, then have shown up for yeah. nothing. Yeah. Because yeah. you get the, uh, the 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 sense of urgency when they see other people around. Oh, and, that's yeah. That sells it for them. Yeah. Like I had people at the one. I think I've told this story before, but they actually like were pulling me aside because there were multiple groups. They're like, our group wants it right now. We'll sign <laughs> we'll right more. now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. Then I planted the seed. Well, yeah. <laughs> who wants it? <laughs> so I've for for yeah. family rentals, I've done the yeah open house style, and I found that. Um, like I'm not really a fan of ha- trying to have like three or four families all show up at the same time because I need I, I want to sell them a little bit right so I want to get them I, I want to meet them I want to I want to interview them a little bit I want them to meet me yeah and so what I've done is I've now put them into thirty minute blocks so it's it's way more time consuming but it's, I'm finding it more effective and and almost consistently what happens is that when one group is about to leave or they're taking too long the next one shows up so they know there's other people that are coming right yeah. but I'm giving them a little bit more one on one time. Yeah. I love your yeah. model. And I think that somebody who listened to this podcast just for that approach uh, has a golden nugget to take away because you what you've done is you've pre-screened them. You've had them pre-screen themselves. If they weren't willing to fill out your form to be able to come see it, they weren't serious. They weren't worth your energy. Yeah. So and once they're invested, they've, they've put time into filling out your form. They've they've accommodated you on the time that you said you were available. Mm-hmm. The quality of people that are actually showing up, those are way less likely to stand you up. Yeah. Yeah. Because the last thing you want to do is be showing the property to somebody and you think, hey, these guys look great. 
And then you find out that they've got like no income, right? Or the credit's terrible. Like, then I just wasted all this time. Like, I want to know that about them in advance. Well, especially with your approach, because you're putting time in face to face with them. Yeah. And yeah, you don't want people coming in that that aren't going to be able to perform. They're not going to be able to pay. Yeah. Uh, So that's a that's a great approach. I. I definitely am going to adopt some of that uh, in what yeah. I do. Well, we can my, talk. I can share some. Uh, yeah, stuff. <laughs> my, you know, my, my student stuff is still uh, the vast majority of my portfolio. Mm-hmm. Uh, the family stuff I'm trying, you know, I'm actually relatively new, new to it mm-hmm. and um, constantly refining. But uh, mm-hmm. I think everything that you're doing makes you look like a professional. Mm-hmm. And I think you're doing automatic withdrawal as well. Am, yeah, yeah. You just yeah. you look badass. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. I, li- I like that too because I always yeah. I know on the Ontario uh, standard lease form it actually is a statement in there that says the landlord cannot uh, require the tenant to pay yeah. by automatic pre uh, pre authorized debit. Yeah. Um, but they, the tenant may choose to. What yeah. I say to the tenant though when I have them face to face is I say this is how my tenants pay me. So yeah. I do it as a pre authorized debit from your account makes it easy for everybody you don't have to, you don't have to worry about forgetting to pay the rent on the first yeah i don't have to chase you win-win yeah. right and then nobody has ever given me a hard time yeah and i don't have yeah. to carry an envelope full of checks around or with that. me yeah <laughs> you yeah. know that that part you know what if i'm not you know i'm not going to carry checks with me what if i'm not home when the first rolls around so mm-hmm. i love the fact that i get like just this massive wad of cash from all the rents just getting taken out of their accounts dropped into yeah. my account yeah. a few days after the that's price. right like by the yeah. fifth of the month or so you look it's in your there. bank account it's all showing up yep this yeah. one, yeah, it's like eight o'clock at night on the fourth. I'm like, I look, I'm like, oh, it's there like it is, fifteen thousand dollars right there. <laughs> it's <laughs> a good okay. feeling. It's a good feeling. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Okay, so the next chapter for you is the multifamily mm-hmm. conversions. I think you, mm-hmm. you started converting duplexes. That's right. And I actually just had Ken. Ken was my last guest mm-hmm. on. Um, Ken's uh, a guy that does a lot of that too. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to hear your perspective. Uh, one, just how far into it you are, and you know your typical process and approach, and and how you get things done. So why don't yeah. we start with where you're at in it? How much have you done, and and what are you up to right now? So I've got, uh, I don't know, half a dozen now duplexes, right? So on top of the three or four yeah, other ones, which I'm in the process of getting rid of. So I, I'm, I'm going to redeploy all my capital that's tied up in single family and just do duplexes and maybe some triplexes mm-hmm. and four or fourplexes if I can find the right ones. Um, but yeah, so around, um, so I didn't mention, I took a bit of a hiatus uh, after the, my first three or f- actually it was four, but then took a bit of a hiatus, things got nuts at work. I kind of fell off the wagon a little bit and lost my focus, right? And mm-hmm. to this day, I'm kicking myself because there was two years that I lost that, you know, in real yeah. estate, that matters. Um, changed jobs, moved to the other side of the city, and then kind of like gave my head a shake and said, all right, I got to get back in the game here, right? Because I, I was looking at the portfolio of what I had acquired a few years earlier mm-hmm. and seeing the equity gains that are happening there. I'm like, why did I stop? <laughs> so, yeah. so I went, I went back in again, started getting myself back immersed into, um, you know, the meetups and, uh, seminars and things like that. And, uh, and so hearing a lot about people doing duplex conversions, right? That's the way you're going to get better cash flow. Um, you know, you're, you're buying a, a 1950s or so bungalow, which has got a nice big footprint, maybe 1100 square feet. And, uh, all on one floor, which then creates a nice big open space in the basement, right? Mm-hmm. So ideal for doing duplexing, assuming it meets certain conditions like ceiling right. height, which you um, talked to Ken about in a previous episode. So yeah. assuming it kind of meets all those uh, the criteria, then it can make an, a perfect canvas for building a legal secondary suite in the basement, two bedroom or three bedroom, and really then driving up the cash flows, right? So 
you know, just to give you an example, what we're seeing now is getting $1,700 rent on the top floor of a house and $1,500 rent for the lower floor, right? Both are three bedrooms and that's $3,200 in in gross rents plus utilities, right? So there's, um, there's, there's just a lot more cash flow that gets generated when you when you deploy that that approach. That thirty two hundred dollars. What's that house worth? So this would be a house that I paid about three hundred and twenty thousand for. Okay, so right? you paid three hundred and twenty. That's right. Yeah. So so let's just do those numbers right now. So three twenty yep. purchase price. Mm-hmm. Then you did some renos. Yep. So this would be a house that required, um, you know. This was a project, and this one's actually in the process right now. Actually, so mm-hmm. we it, it had a very wet basement, okay. um, like to the point where you walk in, you would see like the walls look damp. It just smelled horribly musty, um, and uh, so we had to get it waterproofed. So, for those who aren't familiar with that, that's when you put that black dimple board all around the inside of your foundation. Yeah, can get pretty expensive as a yep. job. I'm guessing you probably paid fifteen to eighteen thousand. Not quite. So we did this is yeah. we did the interior. You did the interior. Yeah. So where they trench out the perimeter yeah. of the basement and mm-hmm. then they put the weeping tile in okay. and then drain the water to a sump hole. Right. Yeah. So that was about ten thousand. Okay. So you, you definitely got a, a better deal than they would offer around here in Hamilton. I think you did that in Welland, right? That's in Welland. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. you got a little bit better deal. That's nice actually. Yeah. Ten grand. Um and what I what's interesting is a uh, little little tip on this is so that pro- that particular property I actually wrote the offer for three thirty five. Okay. Because it, but because it had this horrible basement uh, wetness issue, a dampness issue, we we offered three thirty five, but we said we want fifteen thousand dollars cash back on closing um, to deal with this water issue in the basement. And they and the sellers already had a couple offers fall through because of that. Yeah. Right. So what happened was on like the, the mortgage is set up at three thirty five, but I got fifteen k back in my pocket at closing to go deal with the that water damage, of which it cost me ten. That's interesting because my experience with that is that's considered uh, netting your purchase price down and that the bank would treat it as 80% of uh, 320 instead of 335. So how did you manage that? I did not go through traditional financing though for this, right? So I- Oh, private? I did private. I did 100% loan to value. So maybe that's why. (laughs) Hey, in private money, all things are possible. You could disclose it to the lender. You say, this is what we're doing. Okay, no problem. That's why Uh, I worked in, yeah. I love love what you did there- um, because when you do the cash back part, then the seller still feels like you're offering them the price. Mm-hmm. You're just acknowledging that this has got to be fixed, and this mm-hmm. is you know this is why this isn't working. That's that's brilliant. And it was um, yeah. it was a no brainer to the seller because sometimes you'll see this right. You go into a property that's a bit distressed, and in this case, they had two quotes sitting on the countertop in the kitchen mm-hmm. that said, "Okay, like we acknowledging that we know there's some issues in the basement. Mm-hmm. We've had two quotes." Here's what it's going to cost to fix it. And the quotes were anywhere between 12 grand and 20 grand, right? Okay. Um, so that, that was just the ammo that I used to say, I, I'm going to give you your asking Perfect. price, but I want that money back to me, right? Perfect. And then I went and found a, a, uh, someone to get it done for a little less than that even. So hey, you did well. Yeah. You did well. Yeah. So uh, getting back to your yeah. overall renovation number, what, what are you uh, figuring this one's going to come in at? So overall is going to be about 110. And the reason it's a little bit higher is because it's more than just a basement reno on this one. So we're doing some modernization on the main floor as well. So specifically, this is a house that had been converted from a three bedroom to a two bedroom um, from the the original owners. And they converted a garage into a family room. So we're flipping all those things back, right? So we're converting it back to a three bedroom home to raise the value a bit Mm -hmm. more and also putting the garage back to a garage. 
And any sort of renovations other than just reconfiguring the rooms there or adding the wall back? Some simple stuff. So um, paint. brand mm. new bathroom. On I'm, the upper floor. Brand new on, on the upper floor. And a new kitchen on the upper floor? Not a brand new kitchen. Leave we're, the kitchen we're, alone. We are refreshing the kitchen a bit, but we are keeping the existing cabinets. We're refacing them. Um, this is the one that had like the wainscoting. That's, it's got uh, wainscoting yeah, yeah, in it. Yeah. So if you check out uh, Scott's Instagram, you can. Yeah, uh, I've got some videos of this you one. You can posted. see this one. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then all the brand new vinyl flooring throughout. Yeah. Okay. So you're getting excellent value on something that's 1,100 square feet, 1,200. About 1,100. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's fantastic for for right now. I got to get your contractor's name. He's a good guy. Uh, so you're getting quite a bit done with that, and then plus you're finishing the basement. You're yeah. putting in a kitchen. There's going to be breaking up concrete to put in uh, sanitary drains. That's right. Uh, for your toilets, your shower. Yeah. And um, and then of course roughing in your kitchen. Yeah. Finishing two bath dead bedrooms. Three bedrooms. Three bedrooms in the yep. basement. Three bedrooms, one bath, kitchen, yeah. and uh, uh, two uh, hydrometers. So okay. upgrading to two, uh, two electric amp meters, and okay. two electrical meters. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So that's all. That's all happening in that. Um, so so all in. Yeah, about um, hundred and ten is I think mm-hmm. where it's going to land. Um, okay. That's pre HST, of course, pre tax. Okay. So oh, okay. So when yeah. you add in, so what's your all in taxes in uh, renovation? Do you think? Probably one thirty by the time okay. I put tax on top of that. Okay, so one yeah. one hundred and thirty thousand yeah. dollars after tax right now. That makes a little bit more sense. I was about to say, like, how are you doing this? Yeah, sorry, I'm thinking before tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I'm in this game. I'm like, what? <laughs> Who's Scott's that figured it out? <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're not cheap to do a, a proper yeah. rental. And and by the way, I'm also there are there are other areas that I would like to spend more on that I'm not. Like um, when Ken mm. Beacondam was on recently talking about. Um, you know the all the additional steps he takes for even better soundproofing than the standard yeah. like i i'm kind of going halfway on some of those but i i'm not doing like the double layer drywall with the green glue i, I it was it was just added up to my um a little bit yeah. more than i was ready to spend mm-hmm. um and um so you know there's you can go crazy on on reno- on renovating your basements yeah. um but you also have to kind of rein it in a little bit and figure out what's the long term plan with the property too so I remember getting cocky on one of my renos and, you know, I'd been, I'd done a bunch where my reno total came in at, you know, 190. These were, these were pretty invasive. You know, yeah. I, I did, I added some nice stuff and then I had one come in at 275 cause I went black hardware for the doors and, and, <laughs> but you know, it looked amazing though. Oh, it looked amazing. <laughs> and, you know, I just realized I kept saying yes to everything cause of the location. I wanted to make this property really great. And, uh, then I saw the final bill and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you, you do have to kind of exercise a little bit of yeah. frugality. I, I know like right back at like one of my first rental projects is like, you know, sourcing everything, finding a deal, going to discounts, mm-hmm. you know, uh, liquidation stores and finding stuff. Like if you're willing to put in the time, you can do stuff yeah. on a dime compared to, it's just like, how do you have a full-time job? I know you do. I do. And, and, and are you doing other things? Do you have time or the mental uh, capacity to to you know dedicate that time yeah. to it so yeah and you know i mean i know that if i if i were to be more hands-on with mm. managing the trades myself i i could save some bucks for sure yeah um but yeah so i am using a general contractor to kind of mm. manage the project who's got his own staff um and then works with some of the sub trades too but um to me that's uh that's a price worth paying for me right now because i am you know yeah. holding down a full-time job and all that so yeah hey i yeah. i agree with you i mean i use um i use a site supervisor that i pay uh for his services so i still general contract my stuff myself but mm-hmm. 
Um, that is an extra expense, but yeah. if I wasn't paying him that I'd be down there on the, on the site every day. And, and exactly. honestly, I enjoy life too much to, to be doing that. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> so, um, yeah. okay. So your purchase in rental total comes to $450,000 mm-hmm. yeah. approximately in this case. And you said 3,200 is your cash flow. So let's look at our, our three ways that we're winning here. Uh, so one thing you're going to get is appreciation on this, this price, yeah. um, well, actually, before we even do that, like, what do you think you're going to get on a refi or if you were to do a refi? So I, I, I'm going because I, I bought with private money. I am going to bring in a conventional okay. mortgage um, at the probably the four or five month mark. Okay. Um, and so I'm, again, it's, this is Welland that we're talking okay. here and there's not a lot of comps yeah, in Welland yeah, for, for legal duplexes. Uh, so I'm keeping my eye on, you know, what is in the market, what is selling. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful it's going to refi or be appraised at 450. Um, okay. I'll tell you that before it's different when you get an appraisal, of course, before you begin a project, because I, mm-hmm. I was looking at financing it through uh, one of the major banks mm-hmm. before I went down the private money path. And they came in and said, yeah, we'll, we'll appraise this at 465. But all they were doing was looking at, you know, because I had some different quotes at the time. They're just adding the cost. They just added it all together. Yeah. So that's that's not the same as when you refinance it after the fact, right? Yeah. So, well, that's a purchase plus improvements, right? So they'll right. lend you 80% of your purchase price plus 80% of all your, your extra renovations. That's right. So it could be a better plan to actually do it that way, assuming you can yeah. get them on. I've, I've never done such a, a grand project like when I was setting up mortgages for people i've never done a such a grand project as a purchase plus improvements but right i suppose theoretically yeah. you could you absolutely could in fact yeah. i would have if i could have gotten the um the approval in time yeah. from the bank and so uh things things kind of went a little bit sideways with getting that uh, that financing in place which is why i kind of parallel pathed and started mm-hmm. talking to some private money options and they just mm-hmm. came through for me faster and so i said i'm going to do yeah. this for four months right I, I, you know, I love private money. Yeah, it it can be, it can be fantastic. It can be incredibly expensive. So you just, you just need to factor it in. Yeah, yeah. You you build it into your costs because you could pay. You know, after fees and all this stuff, legal fees, you're paying two lawyers Mm -hmm. on the on the purchase and on the sale, exactly, or and on the refi. So double your legal fees on both ends. Yeah, and then are you paying a broker fee? Are you paying a lender fee? There can be so many fees. You could end up paying eighteen percent on your money when you when you work it all backwards. Yeah, yeah. Like you'd probably get a twelve percent or a ten percent rate. But then you work it all, all the fees, all the fees add up and, and it adds up. Yeah. But but if you can work that out and you only take five months with it, then it it's still a no. Yeah, because you're making yeah. interest only payments. So when you really just look mm-hmm. at the the hard numbers, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, and how long you're going to hold it for, that's the yeah. number I was factoring in, right? And plus, yeah. I knew that within the first two months of having this project started, I was going to get the main floor rented, which I did. Yep. Um, so that starts to offset some of the cost right away. Yeah. Right? So, so you can you can uh, settle it down. Plus, that should never make or break your project, right? Exactly. It seems like you're yeah. thinking more long-term minded yeah. here Yeah. Uh, as you go. Uh, the, the challenge you're going to run into, you know, I'm sure you already have, is that if you're constantly putting down full down payments, eventually you run out of your own You run money. out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so hence the... Um, you know, because I'm still employed full time um, and, you know, reaping the rewards of mm-hmm. gainful employment with, you know, bonuses every yep. year and all that kind so of stuff. Put that in. I'm just I'm, I'm using I'm using my capital that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I've refinanced a couple of my properties um, to pull some cash yep. and recycle, but not all of them. And the so I've got uh, this I'm on my third now in Welland and 
to me, Welland, I like because it's got strong cash flow. Mm-hmm. But the wild card is values after... They're still low right now. They're, they're low, yeah. right? So I'm banking on, you know, waiting a year or two before I uh, yeah. potentially do some refinancing. Yeah. I just I think it just means it's coming in Welland. And I, it's no secret that I, I definitely uh, have plans to, to get involved in Welland in the near future. Uh, I just think there's so much potential upside down the road. There's so many towns in this Golden Horseshoe area mm-hmm. that we're in near Toronto, wrapping around the Lake Ontario, uh, where they've already seen it. They've already gone up in value like yeah, crazy. Yeah, and yeah. yes, Welland has too, but it was so undervalued to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, people are just going to look at affordability in Ontario, how expensive everything is getting, and they're going to have to go out further. Yeah, It's going to happen. Yeah. And uh, you know, it might take... 10, 20 years to really realize just how significant it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, I definitely don't want to be on the wrong side of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, same same thing. And, you know, the Go Train expansion, that's all helping. And, yeah. um, you know, Welland is, uh, it's about 50,000 people or so in the city. And it's got a vacancy rate of one or less percent mm-hmm. now. I forget. It's it's super low. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's a, it, it does have some of the fundamentals in place. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I like working there for, um, you know, those reasons that I think the fundamentals are there, but also the city has been very investor friendly, like yeah. their building department. Um, so, you know, getting a permit approved can take sometimes, you know, less than 10 days, for example. Okay. Right. So that's, uh, you know, c- compare that to some of the other cities in the GTA, you might be looking at two or three months in some cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for those who aren't familiar with, with Welland, um, just even for our American friends, just to put it in perspective, yeah, smaller town doesn't really have any of its own industry, mm-hmm. but it's close to a lot of other towns that do have industry. Mm-hmm. It's not far from from Buffalo and Niagara Falls. Exactly. So, you know, you're you're within 30 minutes, 45 minutes of a border, um, 10 minutes of of a major transit uh, line, both yeah. rail yeah. and and highway. So it, I think that the, the real purpose well into serving and I, I spent some serious time trying to wrap my head around it. And I would do that at any new city I look at is really trying to understand why do people come here? Mm-hmm. Why are they here? Because if you understand that, you're going to have a pretty good answer to whether or not they're going to stay. Yeah. And uh, I think that it's just going to grow. And eventually yep. it will it'll have to create supporting industries to support the people that are there. Yep. Yep. You know, more nightlife, more downtown um, service and all that. And it'll drive more demand for rent. So I'll tell you the last two tenants that I filled properties on in Welland. Mm-hmm. Um, one's a family that came from Stony Creek, which is just outside mm-hmm. of Hamilton. So um, looking for more affordability. Yeah. Uh, they were working in the Niagara region anyways. So mm-hmm. It, you know, uh, commuting wasn't a big deal. And the other was a family that came from Niagara Falls. So they, yeah. they wanted to get into, uh, they thought Welland was more of like a hub or something, yeah. right? So, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> Over from Niagara Falls, I, I'm yeah, not sure. But hey, same. neither here nor there. <laughs> I'm showing here that if you had $450,000 as a purchase and reno cost, uh, when we add in your purchase price plus your reno, and then we subtract off the 80% that the bank would give you on a 450 appraisal, which would be 360000 mm-hmm. uh, that leaves you with a net amount invested of $90,000. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So on that, if your mortgage is at uh, at three hundred and sixty thousand, what do you figure your cash flow is going to be, approximate? Uh, I'm I'm getting between eight hundred and a thousand is what I'm seeing in Welland right now. Um, okay, on this type of duplex, yeah, yeah. So so if we could say nine hundred a month, nine hundred is pretty fair. Now I I'm not factoring in property management in there because I am self managing. Okay, that's so fine. I but you I, do build in some maintenance allowances. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, okay. I put in some maintenance and, and um, uh, buffer for vacancy and things like that. Yeah. Um, but you're somewhere in that range, right? And so 
even compared to a year ago, mm-hmm. I filled uh, my first property in Welland. It was like 1600 main floor, 1395 lower floor. I'm already kind of seeing a hundred dollars increase um, on upper and lower like a year later. In, in a year, you've gone up a hundred bucks. Yeah. And I can even feel it in the, you know, going back to our conversation around screening for tenants. Last year, I posted that one for around sixteen twenty-five for the main floor. Mm-hmm. And I was getting all sorts of rude comments to me, like through Gigi, like how what, how dare you, you know, charge so much rent, mm-hmm. you Toronto guys coming to our town, blah, blah, blah. You get that kind of stuff. This time around, I, I just, I posted it at 1700 and I'm getting none of that, right? And it's, yeah. it's, it's more around people looking for a good place to live. Um, so I think that's the, the low vacancy rate kicking in. There are, there are places you can go rent in kind of the maybe sketchier parts of town potentially yeah. for less money. But I'm talking about like, these are nice family friendly neighborhoods, yeah. tree lined streets. They look, they're really, really nice streets. Right. And so I think if a young family sees that goes, I, I can see myself living there. Right. Yeah. So, well, you make a place nice and if you got a decent street, um, the time will come, the rents yeah. will, will, will come. It's funny. I, I don't get why people like people get like that. I actually had somebody who follows my Instagram page comment say, "Oh, 1950 in the East End of London. Good luck." Oh yeah. I, you know, it's it, granted it's via text, so I don't know if that was intended to be uh, snarky or actually, hey, good luck, man. No, it's snarky. I mean, it's <laughs> it snarky. snarky. Most of them are snarky. Yeah. I've had my fair share of those comments yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. But but okay, just for that person, if you are listening, <laughs> I rented it out. I had a, a, a huge amount of interest. I just dropped my price to eighteen ninety five. Got it done. So there you go. You know, it's in that ballpark anyway. Um, yeah. But I'd rather have my better pick of tenant. Yeah. Than yeah. Uh, than try and push the rent to the max, max, max. Right. Uh, so yeah, that actually worked out well. Um, but getting back to you, so appreciation on this property, I like to figure two percent at least. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. your case, being that as well, and I think we're going to get more than two. Let's say three conservatives. That's the number I go with. I usually put three. Yep. Still conservative. So so four hundred and fifty is your value. We're just going to take that four hundred and fifty times three percent, mm-hmm. and uh, that's roughly inflation anyway. So it's not like we're doing anything too crazy when we say that number. That's right. $13,500 a year that that property is going up in value. Mm-hmm. And the beauty is you borrowed, uh, well, 80% of it. That's right. So uh, so the bank is uh, is funding a lot of a lot of your own gain there. Mm-hmm. We've got that. And then, of course, we've got our principal pay down, which I like to figure right around uh, 3%. By the tenants. Yes. Principal pay down is the tenants paying your mortgage. You're cash flowing anyway. They're paying your mortgage in its entirety. That's pretty sweet. So I also like to figure about 3% for principal pay down, but it won't be the same number because we're multiplying that by the mortgage amount of 360. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 360,000 times 0.03. And this is not a bang on accurate calculation. It's just a ballpark. ballpark. If we total all that up, your total return is 35,100 per year. Mm-hmm. So that factors in your cash flow, your appreciation, and your principal pay down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your return is 39%. Yeah. And could you, I just want to dig into this because that's a fantastic return. Yeah. I mean, you were into RSPs and mutual funds yeah. before and you were getting lucky, maybe 2% on average. Oh, something garbage. And, yeah. and now you're taking that $90,000 yeah. that would have made uh you know less than two grand in a year and it's making 35 grand yeah that this is why people see the light of real estate um yeah do you think you could have found this product as a turnkey yeah oh yeah you could have yeah um i see them out there not not so much in welland yet Mm -hmm. um there there are uh, there are like in hamilton for example i see lots of duplexes that you can go buy turnkey but you're gonna spend maybe six hundred thousand for it right 
So, yeah, well, I guess the, the question is turnkey and get $900 a month. Like you you said mm-hmm. the value in Welland is 450 Well, why is it 450 Because they have comparables at 450 mm-hmm. Or because no one's crazy enough to sell these? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, what I'm seeing is that there hasn't been enough uh, comps yet coming out in that range, right, mm-hmm. of, uh, of legal duplexes. What I do find a fair uh, bit of inventory around would be kind of the older... Um, you know, side by side duplexes or fourplexes, but in the much older sections of town, mm-hmm. um, and those are f- a fair bit cheaper, um, but they will command lower rents as well, right? So yeah. what, what I'm, what I, I guess the point I would make was making earlier is that I haven't seen enough, and I mind you, I've only been really watching the market for the past year or so in well and watching the the the, the recent solds. Um, I haven't seen enough, kind of a, the my sweet spot of you know these. 1950s bungalows converted to duplexes, nice family neighborhoods convert, yeah. um, or sorry, uh, sold. Not too many of those. Whereas in Hamilton, you see a lot of them hitting the market, right? So for me, I yeah. think it's a timing thing. I'm just kind of waiting to see when, um, you know, the investors that are doing this, you know, five years from now would might want to liquidate one or yeah. two or three of them. There's something to be said about having done it yourself and knowing the work was done right. Yes, right? absolutely. Because yeah. in your process, are you rewiring the whole house? Um, most of the time, yeah. Yeah. So, like uh, one of the ones we're doing right now in parallel that uh, it recently had a rewire. So it's not a complete rewire, but we're still yeah. having to do things because we're splitting meters still. Sure. Um, but generally, we're doing electrical work and plumbing, getting rid of yeah. any cast iron and galvanized and all that kind of stuff's got to go. Yeah. When it comes to electrical, obviously you've got to do the work because because the biggest part of separating the, the units and adding in a second meter is you've got to be able to uh, take all the circuits back to a different panel. That's right. So they've all got to come out of the existing panel. Some of them will stay, but yeah. then some of them are going over to the other exactly. the other one, and then you're wiring in a basement from scratch, pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, interesting process. I've actually never converted a, a duplex that way, like mm-hmm. a basement uh, apartment. I did one where I put the unit in the backyard, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which I I had documented, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I would love to uh, to change yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's just um, it's it's where the opportunity is right now, right? I mean, there's um, there's de- there's a demand for housing, and bungalows just seem to fit the mold perfectly. Because uh, it's a side that, entrance, right? Side, side entrance, entrance, good height. If the head height is yeah. there, then uh, then it can just it can just work beautifully. So yeah, there are ones that doesn't work. Like you know, I've gone into lots of bungalows where it, it the the expense would be just too much. Like there's too mm. it's too cut up, or there's a big concrete yeah. wall uh, supporting through the center that's just not gonna yeah. make the design work or something right that happens too you see houses with uh i'll call them rolling floors where you're uh you're you got sags and bumps and lifts and yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so you do see that and so and at least one of our duplexes we ended up having to put a subfloor in to kind of get rid of mm-hmm. those um those dips yeah i can't stand those things yeah. i cannot leave those those problems in a house like when i renovate it, it has to has to get fixed yeah yeah so yeah, so much so on the one uh, I did, um, the one where I added the unit in the backyard on the existing house, I actually, we systematically removed the joists and replaced them because there was water in the basement at some point and it caused the joists to sag. Oh, And so yeah, one after another just started, one after another just started replacing them and had to pull all the wires out and yeah. everything. But, yeah. you know, it, it went from being a house where people were coming to see it. Mm-hmm. And not wanting to buy it because they felt like they were they were drunk when they were walking in their house, uh, which allowed me to get it for a pretty decent price. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it went from being that to being an A property. So, yeah, 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 these are things that obviously need to get fixed. But I don't. Yeah, I was just what I was getting at with that question is like, do you buy properties that have some fundamental flaws to them? Or are you looking for a property where 
all the fundamentals are good. It just it's dated and it needs work. I prefer that the the latter where mm-hmm. it's just like you know almost like slam dunk. Like we can get in there. The contractor mm-hmm. team knows what needs to be done right away. Um, but like the one that we were just talking about a minute ago um, that had like significant water issues. That that was. Like I think a lot of other investors turned it down just because of that, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with like fifteen or twenty thousand dollars to go fix that up. Um, but uh, I saw that as an opportunity, right? Those so are we, like the best yeah. opportunities. Yeah, exactly. I, I the most money I've ever made on a deal was me dealing with something that no one no else, one else wanted wants to, to deal touch. with. Yeah. Everyone yeah. else just want wouldn't want it. They wouldn't even look in that neighborhood. And for mine, it was like a heritage control neighborhood. Yeah, they wouldn't touch it because they, you know, you get your hand slapped anytime you want to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you can find a way to work work it out or you got a good contractor yeah and all of a sudden you're the expert you just go in deal after deal and you're like okay no problem for me yeah so we've got a pretty good system now like the um, Mm -hmm. when we like my realtor will call up and say hey i I think uh i think this is another one that kind of fits your model and um you know they're asking 330 or whatever the number is and we will put an offer in uh then we I'll generally go see it for the first time at the inspection, mm-hmm. but at the inspection, I'm bringing my home inspector and my contractor, mm-hmm. right? So that we're just gonna we're gonna walk through it right then and there. We're gonna make a plan. Like, is this suitable or is it not? Right. Okay. And if it's not, then we just we we don't waive the condition and we just we walk okay. away from the deal. Um, uh, and if it is, then I I walk away the same day with a quote. Right. Here's what it's gonna cost me to do it. Right. So that I can get the wheels in motion and okay, get off to the races. So yeah. are you getting them under contract before you're even going to see them? Oh, yeah. See, that's yeah. that's critical. And I think a lot of people yeah. don't do that. Like, you know what you're looking for. Yeah. You trust your realtor. That's the key thing. Yeah. Realtor calls me up. Says, like, this is this is another good one. Yeah. So here's the, like my realtor. She has, I don't know, 35 or 38 properties of her own mm-hmm. as an investor. Right. Okay. So you, I, I trust her and right? I trust that the that she knows what she's looking for. And most of her properties are also duplexed. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, so, I love that. I love working yeah. with realtors like that because they know. Right. Yeah. Yes. They're kind of your competition. But they know, and it's worth something. Yeah, yeah. it really is. Um, okay, so so your process, you go to see it, you know it's suitable. Your contractor works with you all the time. So you have a pretty good idea of what it's going to cost anyway, mm-hmm. and uh, you just kind of pull the trigger. You go in for permits. Do you handle all that work, or do you have contractor a contractor? Does that? So Con- he handles. You just say, oh, "This is what I want to do," and he goes and creates the plans. Yeah, I I, I have been engaging directly with the designer. So I found mm-hmm. um, a designer um, at a real estate club who I've been working with for the last two projects now. And so I, I kind of am the, um, the primary interface with him. Mm. So he comes out on the, so after we've um, got the, the property done and we've we, waived our conditions, okay. then we use one of our walkthroughs before we've take possession yeah. to go back in contractor and designer together, yeah, do get the measurements, measurements done. of everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then so that uh, by, by the mm-hmm. time we hit closing date, that we're pretty close to having drawings finalized, like yeah. within a week or so we want to be there yeah. and then get permits ready to go. So that's uh, so I've got a property right now that's like it closed last week, mm-hmm. and uh, I've got pretty close to final designs already on that one. So, that's awesome. Yeah, you could even take it one step further and 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 write in permission to apply for a permit on your offer before you close. Mm, so yeah. I've I've done that on many, and I've had an active permit on the property before I even owned it. Smart. So the yeah. day after closing, yeah, you're ready to go. We're off to the, we're off to the races. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, so that's that's you know another maybe a nugget that you can employ. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Save, saves you a bit of carrying cost. That's all. Yeah. It, all it really does. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, so you could even just push out your closing a bit further, yeah. and uh, and it gives you that time to to get that done. Yeah. Um, okay. So I had a couple of things I wanted to ask you. Uh, so for one, what are you at now total for properties? So I'm got I've 
Uh, so with the three single families, which are getting rid of, but total would be about 15 units. So 15 units. Units meaning doors, yeah. right? So that would be uh, six duplexes, three singles. Six three, duplexes, yeah. so 12 plus three. Okay. That's right. And mm-hmm. then, uh, but by the end of this calendar year, all of those single families will be gone. Okay. And then you'll just buy more duplexes. More duplexes, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's that's uh, yeah. definitely smart. And your average one, you said you're getting... Uh, 800 to a thousand cash yeah. flow on them. So times six. So you're, you're making a healthy cash flow. There's good cash those. flow. I, I, yeah. I keep a running spreadsheet of, mm-hmm. uh, every property that I have. I, I'm always updating mm-hmm. the, um, the, the mortgage costs as that changes. And okay. I, so I know what the insurance is. So I've, I've kind of always want to see what my cash flow is on each one. Um, I don't know. It's motivating, right? Yeah. To see that. So oh, I, I love I, it. I love seeing that stuff. I have a, I have the same thing. I have one that tracks my net worth. It tracks yeah, it tracks same, yeah. my available <laughs> equity. Um, it tra- it tracks my overall cash flow, my potential cash yeah, flow. Yeah. I'm always analyzing. Well, I technically could refinance this, and then I kind of decide when is the point when I'm ready. Yeah, uh, yeah. When is the point where it makes sense? And and even just being strategic. Well, okay. If I wanted to take a bunch of second mortgages to yeah. do a deal. Where do I have available equity? Yeah, and you're always monitoring, and you yeah. know where it is. You know where the where the cash is available. Yeah, it feels so, it feels good to geek out on that stuff. I I love that stuff too, yeah. and uh, so I've been doing that, yeah. and then um, and then on top of that, I, I've also been maybe this is just me getting distracted, but I also have got this bit of desire to take on a flip, <laughs> just just cause. Um, and uh, hey, so, if it's enjoyment, it's enjoyment. Yeah, I actually, I just put an offer in on a place uh, on the weekend uh, on a. Uh, pretty rough semi-detached house, but it's about maybe 15 minute drive from where I live. Yeah, uh, I lowballed it, so I'm, I'm not sure I'll get it. I'll find out tomorrow. Actually, um, I'll be surprised if I get it. Yeah, but if I do, great. Um, and it's just another project, right? And um, you know, as just a way to kind of generate some some cash, really, right? So, and it doesn't bother you that that would be closer to your home, and you'd have to find another contractor. Um, well, interestingly enough, I did already talk to the contractor, said, Hey, would you be willing to come out this way? And he's like, oh. of course I would for you. <laughs> well, Hey, that's another, another, uh, good point is, is when, when you have a relationship with contractors, they will travel for you Yeah, because yeah. they know you're the guy that always gives them work. You don't mess them around. They know if they make the trip, they're getting paid. There's a job. Yeah. And, yeah. and you pay them, right? That's yeah, the you key, pay them. right? So you get their bill, you pay them, and that, yeah. that earns their loyalty, right? Oh, yeah. I've got um, guys that'll travel up here to Burlington from yeah. London for me. And yeah, any so. project I got, like, you know, my one guy, like, I really appreciate the heck out of him. Like, he's always giving me priority. Yeah. You know, what do you got coming down the line? He'll call me. He's like, I got other people who want me to do stuff. What's your next six months look like? Right. And, uh, well, I'm going to want you a lot. So yeah, don't yeah, yeah. Up too much. I might put you on the payroll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. If he wanted it, yeah, he didn't yeah. want it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in the past I had a guy that wanted it and he was my full-time employee. It was fantastic. Yeah. You, you win as long as you're doing good volume, you win. That oh yeah. Way. Yeah. Um, and, and he's, uh, he's been a great contractor and, um, you know, we got a good, good relationship going and, um, it's to the point where I, I, tr- I trust, um, you know, when he gives me a quote, I know that it's, it's accurate and fair. I don't need to go get three more cause I, he's not going to be the cheapest. I know that yeah. for sure, but, um, you he, don't want the he, cheapest. He builds a quality product and he's doing it on time for me. Mm-hmm. Um, he communicates, right. Doesn't go dark. Those things matter to me. Right. Oh, of course. So yeah, that, that's huge. And we could do a whole other episode on, on managing that relationship, which, uh, the next time you come on the show, that's what we'll do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe. I'm sure there's a lot of best yeah. practices there. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. The fact yeah. that you've been able to do it with the, the number of units you have, obviously you've got tons to share, uh, as to what yeah. works and what doesn't. So, yeah. Yeah. um, so that's fantastic. Uh, okay. So questions for you. What's, what's your goal with all this? Like what's, you know, what do you want to do with all the, uh, the net worth you're generating one day? Um, um, well, I mean, I, 
my my goal of course would be to be able to live off of the the income right to um, retire yourself retire myself from from the nine to five mm-hmm. um not retire retire because i mean i still enjoy doing this side of it like an, mm-hmm. an, i'm currently property managing my own stuff and i don't mind doing that i actually enjoy the process of mm-hmm. filling properties like i it's it's my nature like i like i like the the hunt in a way right yeah and um, the success and seeing the higher cash yeah, flow oh now too. i just i just increase my cash flow so <laughs> i want i'm gonna i'm gonna keep on going with that um as i said i'm gonna i'm starting to now look into some some flip opportunities to yeah. generate kind of hits of cash along the way so um i'm just anxious to dip yeah. my toe in the water and try and and see what where that'll take me and then continuing to build up the the buy yeah. and holds okay and then the last piece is for me i've been also now starting to explore a bit of private lending Okay. Um, so, cause you know, as I, I've, as I've been getting some cash from sales and whatnot, I've got a, a ability now to, to lend out a little bit on second mortgages, for example. Right. So I think that in time I could see myself doing more of that as okay. well. Yeah. Even right, more so, passive. Right. So, yeah. So just kind of roll back the, uh, the active requirement and I, I, I'm totally with you there. Like I, I enjoy a lot of the stuff I do. There's certain things I do that I don't enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> so so the 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 plan with the more and more cash flow is just being able to pay other people to do the stuff I don't like right. and kind of gives myself the, the the ability to choose every day as I want. So right. it sounds like we're on the same page with that. Uh so some rapid fire. What's yeah, yeah. what's your favorite uh favorite hobby outside of all this real estate stuff? Yeah. Um it's almost like I feel like this is my hobby in a certain degree because my my life's very consumed with with work software land where yeah. I, I and then this has been this consumes a lot of my time outside of yeah. work right other than that i mean i like hanging out with my family we travel i love road trips yeah um i love driving i like taking my car to the track yes you have a nice one <laughs> <laughs> we were just admiring it before the podcast so uh, yeah, yeah i'd like to take your car to the track <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's a business there <laughs> yeah yeah i think there is um okay favorite real estate book uh, I've had a lot. I mean, it's the easy answer is rich dad, poor dad. Cause I think yeah. that was the one that, that, um, lit the fire for mm-hmm. me, um, back in 2013, I think I read that. So, mm-hmm. and I've reread it, I think three times since then. Yeah. Like I just, I just love going back to that. Cause the fundamentals in there just like yeah. resonate more than any other book. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've gone through, I, I really like Julie Broad's book too. Um, okay. Forget the name of it now. Something uh, well, she has more than cash flow than brand new you. Is there a book on business that you kind of used to inspire you here too, or was it just it was really um, the real estate? I just stuff? finished um, um, Grant Cardone's book. Okay, the 10x. The 10x, yeah. yeah, book. And I mean, that was I like that a lot. He's a little over the top his style, but it was good. I mean, they had a lot of good concepts in there. I so I'm, yeah. I'm only saying that because it's most it's the freshest in my mind because I yeah. just finished uh, I did the audio book of that one. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was a good one. Okay, and favorite color? Favorite color? Yeah, my car is white, so I'm gonna go with white, even though it's not my favorite color. Got gotta mix it up. Yeah, I'm like a blue guy. I think you're blue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, white gets dirty. <laughs> Anyways, okay, uh, Scott. Like, legitimately, we could we could definitely fill a few more hours, and I'm trying to be conscious of the episode lengths, so we'll we'll do it again. And awesome. I really appreciate you coming over because uh, this was great. And I'm I'm gonna we're gonna go to the meetup tonight, and we're gonna have probably talk about this for another hour anyway <laughs> or, <So>. or three <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks again scott we'll, thank uh, you we'll see you on the next all one. right